Hi Faith Life. Good morning Faith Life and our extended family. It's so good to be with you this morning and I'm sure that you've just enjoyed a really wonderful worship time with Mike and Flick. Uh, we've been worshipping and it's just been so good to have uh, real worship from our guys on a Sunday morning. So that's really blessed us and I know it will have blessed you. And thank you, Joe, for leading us in communion. That was, again, lovely to do as a family. And it's so nice to have others here so that you guys can see more than just us two. And it has that really lovely family feel. So, so we are... Yeah, it's amazing just to be able to do things as a family, get more people involved. Uh, we're going to keep working on that, keep mm -hmm. moving that forward. Uh, but hopefully... Uh, you saw the, the notices at the start, the notices will, will come on again at the end, so yeah. do stay around after uh, Cheryl and I have finished, but yes, yeah, so, just to keep yourself up to date, there'll be some worship there as well with those notices. Yeah, yeah, so it's so another beautiful day, sun is shining, and uh, the rest of the morning together is going to be really good. We've got a, a, another preach from Mark, and I know that's going to really bless us. So I just wanted to just read something before we go into our offering and it's really picking up what Mike and Flick were saying at the beginning of one of the songs. And although uh, this psalm, Psalm 107, is actually spoken to the uh, Israelites, because we are grafted in to that family, then anything that's spoken over there we can receive too. So as I speak these words, I'm just going to read the beginning and the end. I just want you to receive these words from the Father to you. It's really blessed me this week, and I know it's going to bless you. So it's Psalm uh, 107, and it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. We've just been singing about that, that we had a good Father. And his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's us. We're the redeemed of the Lord and we say so and give thanks for his goodness and his mercy. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and the north and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. When we are going through difficult things like that, and it feels like our soul is fainted in us, this is what we can do. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So, Father, we thank you this morning and every day for your goodness, your mercy. Let the children of the Lord say so. For you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. And when we are going through things that are difficult, things that give our, 
out of distress things that make our soul feel like it's failing, you say we can cry out to you and you will deliver us and take us through, give us everything that we need and place us on the other side of all of that stuff. So we thank you for that this morning, Father. We put our trust and our faith in you and thank you that you are with us. Whatever is going on in our life, that you are with us, that you give us everything that we need and that you will take us to the other side. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we thank you this morning that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is in us. I ask that you will fill every heart and mind and soul with your presence, that you will fill the rooms that we are meeting in with your presence, and that we can meet with you. We thank you as we worship you that you have drawn close to us. And we thank you for that, Father. May we never forgive, forget your goodness and your mercy towards us. So as we continue this morning now, I ask that you will bless our time together. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 So we're just going to uh, take our offering now. We've got our, our virtual offering bucket here. It's been virtual, it's invisible. Um, but we know that, that although the, the, the offering bucket might be invisible, God is he's our provider. He's He's given us the means by which we can give. Yeah. And as we and as we sow into his kingdom, then he will ensure that we receive a harvest. Yeah. And, you know, we, we are blessed to be a blessing. When we give our lives to Christ, it's about giving him our all, giving him the first fruits of, of what we receive yeah. from him. We are blessed to be a blessing yeah, so that we can reflect God's heart of love, God's yeah. heart of giving, and, and, and we bring our offering as an act of worship mm -hmm. to him. So uh, I know you're all finding different ways to give. Fantastic. I, I, I know some of you uh, do it by direct bank, bank transfer. That's fantastic. If you're listening for the first time or you don't know those details, I'm going to tell you them now. It's uh, Faith Life Church Cambridge. That's the name of the account. Faith Life Church Cambridge. And the sort code is 20... 1722, that's 1722, and the account number is 7000930840. 7000930840. And uh, if, you, if you don't do that, if you're, you're particularly techie, you can click on our website right now, uh, go to our online giving, so click on www.faithlifechurch.org.uk, go to the resources tab. Click on that and there's a giving tab there. It's very really simple. If you can't get your head around any of that or you just like to write checks, then just write out a check to Faith Life Church Cambridge or just Faith Life Church. They'll, they'll bank either of those. Stick it in the post to, to the church office and we'll make sure that that gets banked. So, Father, we thank you for all your blessings to us. We thank you for your provision. We thank you that we are never uh, without hope, that we that you meet all our needs, not according to those needs, but according to your riches in glory. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.
So, um, we're going to go straight into Mark's preach now. I know that we're going to be blessed by that, and I'm just going to pray over you. Okay. Good. So, Father, I thank you that you are with us all the time. I thank you that your word brings life into our hearts, that you speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will anoint every word that comes out of our uh, out of Mark's mouth and as it enters our hearts, that we will receive life from you, that we will be changed by your word, that you will do a work in each of us, whatever we need. I ask that you will speak to us this morning and that we will now prepare our hearts to receive from you. We want to leave from this place having met with you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you will surround us, that you will help our hearts to be soft towards you, that your word will enter our hearts and that you will anoint and uh, help Mark to uh, have clear clarity in his mind and as his words flow, I ask for your anointing to be on us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 I'm just going to ask you to go that one, because otherwise okay. you'll be on camera all the time. Okay. Give me my bit. There we go. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Okay, well, good morning, Faith Life. Um, coming to the end of this series, First Love, um, We've been looking at this, this passage uh, in Revelation chapter 2 for several weeks now. It's the letter of Jesus to the church at Ephesus. So Jesus directly dictates this to the Apostle John uh, on the island of Patmos. And he's writing to this church that is close to his heart. And uh, one of the things that we've uh, found out is that Ephesus was a faith-filled church. It was a hard-working church. It was a church that, that endured several uh, periods of intense difficulty. It was very committed to doctrinal purity. It knew what it believed. It stuck to the word. It didn't get off into any false teaching, any fancy stuff, any, uh, you know, out there things. It stuck to the word that the apostles had brought it, that Paul had originally spoken to them and that, that, that Timothy had worked so hard to protect. And the whole philosophy of the church was based on the integrity of the word. And they took seriously their responsibility on that because Ephesus was a very strategic church. It was a very big church. It was the mega church of its day. It was, it was thriving and it was a beacon to churches all over that area of Asia. And they took seriously their responsibilities in that. Um, they refused to bend under the load of what they were doing. They, they kept going, they endured, they carried the weight of all that, they, 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 they kept watch that false teaching wasn't coming in, that, that uh, fakes weren't getting into the church and trading and, and using their name as an endorsement to build their ministries themselves. And yet Jesus comes along and he says, this is all fantastic, guys. You've done fantastic, but there's one thing, one thing that I have a fault with you. And that thing is that he says, you have lost your first love. 
They were no longer burning with that, that passion, that wonder, that joy, that excitement for God that they had at first. And he uses these words. He uses the you have left. is the, the Greek word, achiemi. And that is a, it's just such a sad word because what it's what it saying, what it's indicating is that Jesus is saying, I've looked at how this happened and you in, unintentionally let go of something that was precious. You know, they didn't intend to end up in the place that they'd ended up. They, they never thought and never conceived this would happen. And when it did happen, they hadn't noticed. And there's a tragedy about that. There's a tremendous tragedy about that. And for, you know, for us today, you know, we can probably look back at various points in our, our walk with Christ, our, our life as Christians, whether we've been going for 40 years, 50 years, or maybe, you know, five weeks, 10 weeks, or, or some of you watching this, probably only a week because you, you got saved last week watching this. So, so, you know, there's all sorts of different things, but many of us can look back at events in, in our walk with Christ and we realise that although we never intended it, other stuff has just taken over and that burning, that passion, that joy, that excitement, that just what, getting up in the morning, God, something good's going to happen today. God's in my life. That that, that is gone. That, that is, has somehow unintentionally been let go of. And, and it's tragic. And what, what, we, what we have in this letter uh, is that Jesus gives a number of remedies. And we look, we've looked at two already, and we're going to look at the third one this week. So go with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, say these things, I know your works, your labour and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles, but they are not, and you've found them to be liars. You've endured and you've been patient, and for my name's sake have laboured and have not grown weary. But I have something against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Now remember from previous weeks, what he's really saying there is you've lost your love, the first one. That, that one where you fell hard in love with Jesus. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first, or I will come quickly and remove your candlestick from its place unless you repent. Okay, so it's, it's that passage that I want to uh, focus on this morning. I want to, to, to kind of bring everything together. And so we have these, these remedies that we've looked at in previous weeks. The first one, I'm not going to go into any detail on that. You can find all this on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. But the first one was that to stay in love, you actually have to grow in love. You, you, you have to be deliberate about it. If you just try and preserve that love, that excitement, that joy, that passion you once had, it will actually wane. You actually have to grow in love. You, you have to work, and, and, and that, 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 that excitement that is inside you, you have to give uh, intentionality to helping it grow, helping it get deeper, so that it inhabits every fibre of our being. So that's the first remedy. The second remedy is 
which we looked at last week, was remember. Now remember this church. This church was born in a move of God. Uh, some amazing things had happened, unusual miracles, the, the temple worship to Diana to overturn. But things had happened. Time had passed and people had got in all sorts of different places. Some of them had got offended, stuff had happened, they got offended and that had become big in their hearts. Some of them had grown bitter. Some of them, and mainly, they just got really busy, really busy, and their life was full. It had all sorts of other priorities. But most of all, what happened is that they had grown accustomed to this Christian environment. They'd learnt all the language and ways of church, and they got kind of used to it. And as a result of that, their focus was on what they were building in the project of church, and they'd lost their ability to hear the voice of God, to, to have that deep, intimate relationship with him. In other words, familiarity had set in, and when familiarity sets in, when we allow that to happen to ourselves, apathy follows along. When we allow familiarity to set in, apathy follows along. And Jesus says the way to, to counteract that, the way to get around that, if you find yourself in the, that place, if you find yourself in that place this morning, if you, you found yourself in that place over many months or even if, even several years, if you found yourself in that place, Jesus says the way to get around that, firstly, remember, remember, remember from whence you have fallen, is what he said. So the, the idea behind that, the idea behind the, the words that are translated there is just stop everything. Just stop. Stop right now and get with Jesus and remember. And, and that word remember is the Greek word menea. You might remember that from last week, menea. And what's that about? It, it's kind of a record, a photo record of a person's life. Remember you remember that TV show, This Is Your Life. It's kind of that way they get the book out with the pictures and the memories. And, and Jesus is saying to them, that's what I want you to do with me. I want you to get that photo book out. I want you to look at it. I want you to sit down with me and we're going to go over all those memories again. We're going to have a look at what happened. We're going to have a look at just what was so exciting then. We're going to have a look at, at just what it felt like then. We're going to have a look at what your faith was like at that point. We're going to have a look and we're going to see what I did. We're going to see what I did in your life. So I want you to go back over it. I want you to dig out all those memories. I want you to get the dust out of the way. Get the dust off them and just stop right now what you're doing. Sit down with me. And let's get the photo book out. Let's go over the memories. And I'll set your heart on fire again. So that was remedy number two. Today, we're going to look at remedy number three. And uh, this, is kind of, this is the final one. So let's just remember them again. Remedy number one. To stay in love, you have to be intentional about growing in love. Remedy number two. Remember. And remedy number three... Repent. Now that's a word we actually don't like, do we? We don't like somehow we don't like this word repent. Why? Because because it, it kind of brings us to a point where we have to face up to ourselves what's happened. And Jesus is saying, Well, kind of I want you to face up to the fact that although you didn't intend any of this to happen, although you didn't intend to get offended, although you didn't intend to get bitter, although you didn't intend everything to become so familiar 
Although you didn't intend to get absorbed with just church things and doing church. That's where we are. And let's be real about it. That's where we are. That's what he's saying. Now, I want to focus on this word repent this morning. Because when we, when we read that passage, uh, we, we have this and it says, uh, I mean, verse 5, he says, Remember therefore from when you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Or else I will come to you quickly, remove your candlestick from its place, unless you repent. So he uses the word twice, and he uses it twice, so he emphasises it. That, that's why he keeps saying this word, repent. And the problem is that when I say that word, repent, or when other people say that, repent, it produces something in us that we don't like the sound of. We, we've kind of got unused to in our church generation. Because repentance over time has commonly got associated with feelings of things like guilt, sorrow, remorse, um, condemnation. And, and when we use this word repent, it, it comes up in my mind uh, pictures of, of people being almost coerced to get to the front of the church and to get on their knees and weep and cry out and, and all the rest of it in order for them to be seen to be making a valid response to God. And, and what the problem with, with that is, is that we have conditioned and made a culture where we are responding out of fear and guilt and condemnation rather than running to God in response to conviction. You see, there's a, there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. And we need to understand that difference in, if we're to understand what, what Jesus is saying here. Otherwise, we won't get to release the power of repentance in our life. And, you see, condemnation is the idea that God is telling us we're guilty and we better get out of the way because he's angry. That's condemnation and that's not true for a new covenant, New Testament believer like me and you. Jesus paid for our sins. So that's not true. We are not condemned in that way. Conviction, however, is something that is meant to be real for a New Testament believer, the believer this side of the cross. Conviction is meant to be real. It's something that Holy Spirit does in our life. It's something that the Word does in our life. And conviction is seeing that we rock, that God see showing us that where where we we drifted away or where we've gone wrong, and saying run to me, run to me because I can fix it. Run into the arms of a loving Father. So the two are really different, and uh, the confusion becomes, I think, because we've got a a wrong handle on what this word repent means. See, repent, that word translated twice in that verse, repent, is a Greek word, metanoia. And, and quite simply, what metanoia means is to change your mind about something. You know, we, we see it used twice in this verse. And uh, I remember seeing, I guess it was back in the mid-2000, about 2005, 2006, I remember reading that a, a group of scholars had got together to study what repentance actually meant. And, and they kind of dedicated themselves to look at what it meant in the Bible and what it meant in literature around that time. And, and what they, 
they did is they, they thoroughly examined all the Hellenistic and Jewish writings around that time and, and they, they found that for, for Jews and uh, Gentile believers living at this time, the time of Jesus, repentance meant a fundamental change in thinking and living. A fundamental change in thinking and living. And, and so that's very different from now we now only think of, of repentance. You know, it makes more sense where, we, where Jesus is coming and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is his hand. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now, invading. So you need to change the way you think about things. You need to respond to what's happening. And that's the idea behind repentance. But, but over centuries, it got confused because what happened was the Catholic Church equated repentance with the word penitential, which, which you know, a Latin word, and that means penance or acts of penance. And so that's where we got this idea that we, we, we needed to respond in some way to pay for our sins. When the truth is, Jesus has paid for our sins. And what he's asking us to do, we just change the way we think, change the way we live. And so this word metanoia, it's a compound of two Greek words, meta, which means change, and neo, which derives from the word mind. So it's change mind. Literally, that word means, and, and you know, just to expand it, it means to make a change of your mind that results in a complete and radical change of behaviour. A change of your mind that results in a complete and radical change of behaviour. To turn around in the way you're thinking. To turn around in the, what you believe in and turn around in the way you're living. Here's, here's the point. If your mind changes, your behaviour changes. If you think differently, you live differently. You cannot divorce mind change from behaviour change. Now, here's, here's the thing. Repentance is not about feeling terrible, shedding tears, weeping and wailing in order to convince people that you're sorry enough to be forgiven. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what Paul talks about. That's not what repentance means. That's remorse. Remorse is not the same as repentance. How do I know that? Well, I know that because, uh, sorry, this has just dropped into my head from, from nowhere. I know that because I think it's Matthew 27. Uh, Judas tries to, it says he, he, he repented of himself. But actually that word there, it's a different word from we're talking about repentance. And it actually means remorse. So Judas was remorseful and yet he never repented. Repentant people don't go and commit suicide and think it's all over. They run for forgiveness. And so Jesus, Judas was remorseful, but he wasn't repentant. Because his mind didn't change. His mind wasn't sorted. He didn't see Jesus for the, the loving saviour for who he truly was. And so when we put everything in that context, repentance is actually a decision. And so, you know, the first thing we do and when our first love came was we made a decision to follow Christ to make him Lord of our life because we fell in love with him we, we, we accepted him and believed in him and trusted him as our saviour now that doesn't mean and, and just be really clear on this I'm not saying emotions aren't involved 
They can be, they often are, but the emotions are not the proof of repentance. You can be very emotional about something and never change one iota. Or you can be unemotional about something, just make your mind up and change completely. The emotions are not the indicator of repentance. Repentance produces a change on the inside, a decision to change on the inside that produces outside change. It's an inside change that, that changes our thinking that produces a change in the way we live. To live differently, we have to think differently. Grace changes us inside to produce change on the outside. You know, one of the things that, one of the things you might have heard, I'll just put, put that down now, it's kind of heavy Bible. I, you know, one of the things you might have heard, and, you know, I've, I've read it several times from people who actually, I love a lot of their teaching. But there was an idea that you don't need to repent if you're really a Christian. And, and what, what they, they kind of say is if you are repenting, then you're not really a Christian because you haven't really understood grace. Now let me just explain that to you. The logic of that, what, what they're saying, and it's really important you hear this because this is becoming increasingly common. The logic is, if you're conscious of sin, you don't understand grace. Because God is no longer imputing sin to your account. Now, listen carefully, because that is all true. That is all true. God is no longer imputing sin to our account. The goal is that we walk in holiness so we, and we're not sin conscious. But we are conscious of something else. So this is, this is true. The, the, but what, the, what the, the argument runs is this. Because Jesus made a full and final sacrifice for our sins, which he did, so by faith, trust in what he did, your sins are dealt with, which they are. So you follow me, because this is good logic, this is, this, but the, the conclusion is a bit off. So the idea is this, that Jesus paid for all my sins, so why do I need to repent? Because repentance makes no difference to the fact Jesus paid for my sins, so if I was really a good Christian, I wouldn't repent at all. Because it's only because the idea that, that, that then happens is there's a leap of logic that says if Jesus paid for all my sins, I don't need to respond. There's nothing required of me. Now, much of that, as I've pointed out, is true. But it's bad logic. And it misses the point. And, and if you're kind of struggling to follow it, that's why it can be so subtle. Um, you see, it misses the point of what repentance is. Repentance is not something we are doing or thinking in order to get our sins forgiven. Repentance is changed thinking that produces changed behaviour. It's not about payment for sin, but about dealing with sin in our lives by changing our thinking and the only way you can change your thinking is to face up to the fact that your thinking is wrong and therefore your actions are wrong so repentance in that sense real repentance produces good fruit false repentance says i don't need to do anything because i need to change the way i think that's repentance. 
And so, you know, my conflict is fantastic last week. I, you know, I'm sure you all agree that what, what a great, uh, great session we had with them last week. And they were focusing on those verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that talk about us laying down our lives as a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the pattern of this world, or the thinking of this world, or the belief systems of this world, or the moral standards of this world, but instead being transformed by the renewing of our mind, changing our mind, changing the way we think, that inward change that produces outward change, changing our mind so that we might be able to prove what is the good and perfect will of God and demonstrate it to all around us. And so, you know, when we see there's a difference in the way we think and the way Jesus thought, or the way we act and the way Jesus acted, or the way we live and the way Jesus lived, or the way we love and the way Jesus loved, when we see there's differences, we face up to those differences, we go to Jesus and say, I need a mind change, I need a change in thinking. I'm struggling to act in faith in this, I'm struggling to trust you, I'm struggling to believe in you. Jesus, you told me that I didn't need to live in fear and anxiety, but I find my faith itself in fear and anxiety, and I need to change my mind. I need to think differently about this. That is repentance. It starts from the moment we turn to Christ in the first place, and that becomes repentance. So the idea that we're not meant to repent is the, the polar opposite of the fact. The truth is, our lifestyle is 24-7 repentance. Because as believers, we're 24-7 having our mind renewed, our thinking changed, and coming into fullness of new life in Christ. Can you see? So the logic looks good, but the conclusion was wrong. And the truth is, we live a life of repentance. But it's so different from what we portrayed it. You know, there's a second aspect to this change in thinking, and I'll try and fill you in this, but... You know, the second aspect of this change in thinking that is encapsulated in that word repentance is this, that change is directional. Change doesn't just carry on in the course it was going. Change changes direction. You know, you are changing your way of thinking from one direction of thinking to a different direction of thinking. You're changing the way you run your life from one way of running your life to a different direction of running your life. You, you, you are changing towards a new way of thinking and away from an old way of thinking. So change has a direction to it. And that, that direction is deeper than just getting to know facts or getting new information. You know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of people in the world, they, they buy book upon book on, on, on this idea that if I had a bit of a new information, if I had a different way of doing things, if, I, if only I could imagine myself a better person, I could have a better life, and we, we get new bits of information, new little snippets, and we, we have a go at them, and, you know, we come up with some new theory on which we're going to base our life, new diet system, you know, you name it, we've got new things out there. That's not repentance, that's not change, that's self-help. And the problem with self-help is it's limited to your willpower. Everybody who's been on a diet knows this is limited to our willpower. And the problem with many of the diets that we've tried, including the ones I've tried, <coughs> breathe in at that point, including the ones I've tried, are limited by my willpower and my desire. 
I need my willpower uh, uh, strengthened, but I need my desire changing. And this repentance, this change of thinking, changes my desires. So, changing my thinking, uh, this fundamental change of the way I think, the fundamental change of the way I believe that is encapsulated in that idea of repentance or renewing of your mind, it's such a fundamental change that it changes the shape of my heart. So that when I used to respond in one way to something, because my heart's now changed, I respond in a different way. Now, I, that's kind of deep. So, that, you know, we, we sometimes talk about being both deep and wide. Well, this is, that was the deep bit for this morning. So I'm now going to go a bit lighter, a bit wider. How can I do it? So, repentance is sometimes, I, I, I'm sure some of you have heard this phrase, repentance is... Uh, a turning around to go the other way. A turning around to go the other way. And that, that is true. But then what are we going to do with that turning around to go the other way? What does it actually mean? Because we have a tendency in our, our walk and, and, and we have a tendency not to act the, access the full power of the transformation that's available because we've learned to think in sound bites. And so that, oh, repentance is turning around to go the other way. But we don't actually do anything with that thought. We've got the soundbite, we go, I know what repentance is. So whenever Mark says repentance, I'll say it's turning around to go the other way. And it is. But the question is, what does that actually mean and how do you access it and bring it to life in your life? You see, this is the way false repentance is portrayed. Let me just illustrate this. So false repentance says... There is my sin. So just imagine I've got my sin all nice in the bucket, lying down there. There is my sin, so I turn away from my sin. And I walk away from my sin. Now, that's good, except there's something about sin that keeps pulling me back to it. And I'm working, it's either my willpower to go this way and my strength to go this way, or sin's ability to pull me back and drag me back into it and surround me with people that will drag me back into it. And so it's not as simple as turning around and going, going away from sin. You actually have to turn around and go towards something else. And that something else, you have to turn away from sin, but you have to turn towards something a source beyond yourself, an empowerment beyond yourself that gives you the strength to keep walking away and keep going and keep going until you've left it way behind. So what do we so it's a turning away from, but it's also a turning towards something. What do we turn towards? We turn towards we turn our thinking towards, we turn our passions towards, we turn our our commitment towards, we turn our desires towards Christ. We turn them away from sin and towards the cross. And we walk towards Christ. And we walk towards the victory of the cross. You see, the real question isn't what have you turned away from. The real question is what are you looking towards when you fully turned? When you finish turning, where are you heading? And the point is that to powerfully repent, 
to, to finish that stuff once and for all in your life, you have faced the cross. You face Christ. You face the victory of the cross. You see the power of the resurrection. You see that your failure, your mistakes, your message, your straightforward wrongdoing, and you look at it and you see that paid for in the body of Christ. And you see him. You see him that he did that because he loved you. And that love pulls you towards him. It pulls you towards him. The force that sets you free from the sin is you turn towards love and love pulls you. Love draws you. Love compels you. Love changes you. Because you see Christ dying for you. You see Christ resurrected in victory to set you free and give you new life. And you walk and you keep walking and you keep going and you keep going until you are not in sin any longer. That's, that's repentance. Repentance is turning towards Christ and running to him and letting him change your thinking as he loves you into a different person. Are you getting this? I hope you're getting this. You know, let me let me just finish with the story. I was when I was writing this and, and thinking about this, I was remembering my early years as a Christian. And when I, I got saved, you know, many of you know the story, I know the day I was saved. I was part of a, a, a youth group that I joined at that time, church youth group. And that's the place I got saved. I, I went along basically because I, I, I liked the look of a girl there. Um, it wasn't Cheryl um, at that point. Well, no, I've always liked the look of you, darling, but there was a girl, and I wasn't dating Cheryl at this point because I was, I was only 14. And uh, so I went along to the youth group, and there was a, a little talk at the end of it, and somebody gave me a little leaflet called Journey into Life, I went journey into life, sent the prayer at the end, and got and, and, and I became a believer. It, it was kind of really simple. But for me, like, I remember those first weeks and those first months, I was excited. I was I couldn't stop reading the Bible. I went to everything. You know, on a, on a Friday night, I went to youth club. On a Saturday night, I went to youth Bible study. On a Sunday evening, I went to church. And straight after church, I went to something called youth squash, where we all got together three nights a week, all got together. Youth squash was kind of, it wasn't a Bible study. It was when we learned like, about church history and revivals and life and Corrie ten Boom and all those sort of, you know, all those things and and it, and it was exciting, it was vibrant and then I, I was remembering like where I'd got to a couple of years on from that and I'd experienced this thing that this church in Ephesus was experiencing, it had all become really familiar and, and that excitement, that passion, that joy, that, that desire, that digging into the word, it, it had kind of like faded away and I remember once I, I was it was a Friday night, it was youth group. I went I set to go to youth group as I normally did. I was stood on the other side of the road from the, the building that the youth group met in and suddenly I thought, I can't do this. I, I can't I can't do this. I am really just not able to do this Christian thing. I I've tried, I've given it my best, I've poured all my energy into it, all my effort into it, and I just can't do it. I, I cannot keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. It seems empty. I seem drained. That joy, that excitement I once had, it's gone. And I can't do it. And I 
walking and thinking, I just cannot walk in that place tonight. So I turned around and I set off in the opposite direction, away from, from the youth group. I set off on the opposite direction, down this place, the, 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 the road in Kendall, which is where I come from, is called Sands Avenue. And down there, there was a, there's kind of a bridge over the river. And I set off walking down there. And as I was walking uh, down in that direction, uh, one of the girls from the youth group appeared coming in the opposite direction over the bridge. And I thought, oh, I don't want to talk to her. No, I, I want to go home or somewhere else. And so I ended up, I, I, I carried on walking because it's kind of go back to the youth group or walk where the girl is. So I carried on walking and kind of start, you know, when I met her, she started chatting to me and it was kind of, she persuaded, I told her I was feeling, she persuaded me to go back to the youth group. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go, I'll do it, I'll give it one more shot. So I, I turned around and went back to the youth group and that evening, you know, each evening they did a little talk at the end of the youth group and that evening they did a talk and it was only like two or three minutes. I have no idea what was said. I cannot remember it except for one phrase. The only thing I can remember from that is that the, the guy who was speaking said, this is a relationship, not religion. And, and so, you know, that, that single phrase, you know, it wasn't something I didn't know. It wasn't something I hadn't heard before. I'd heard that Christianity wasn't a religion, but it was a relationship. I just didn't have, have any idea how it worked. I didn't know how to do it. And, and my life had veered off into this place where I, I'd lost all that excitement that I used to have. It had veered away from that fundamental truth. I got so involved in, in, in doing all the things and trying to be a better person and trying to live my life better and trying to be different that I couldn't do it anymore. And so what did I do? I turned away from all my trying, all my mess, all my lack of passion, all my lack of excitement and I walked back to what it was. And I walked back into the arms the Saviour who loved me, the Saviour who, who, who wanted me, who, who wanted to share my life with me, who, who wanted to be there for me, who cared for me deeply, a Saviour who was interested in every little detail, every little aspect of my life, a Saviour who wanted to walk with me for the rest of my life, a Saviour who I could enjoy walking with, who gave my life purpose, who gave my life joy, who gave my life just all the things that it had been missing in all the years that I've been growing up. And I found Jesus. And he hadn't moved from that first place where I found him. He was still there. He was still calling me forwards. He was still saying, turn away and turn towards me. And he was calling me back to that first love. That first love when I first met him. And he said, I haven't changed. I still love you with all my heart. I still love you with all my energy. I still love you with everything I've got. Now, let's sit down together. Let's fix this. Let's bring about that change. Let's bring back that excitement, that joy, that wonder, that passion.
passion, that just wholehearted absorption and, and life that I have for you. And right now, he's saying the same thing to you. Whether you, you have never known him, or whether you've known him and you've, you, you kind of got yourself in that sort of position that I got myself in, he's saying the same thing to you right now. He's calling you back. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. So either you've never known him, you've never known that relationship, but you want to know that relationship, or you, you, you've kind of drifted away. So right now, as we, as we finish this series, I want to call you back. He wants to call you back into the arms of his love and set you on fire with love for him. So let's pray. Father, you just follow me, speak it out. Father, I thank you that you sent your son and that he died for me. He paid for my sins completely and totally. And that he rose again to new life. To give me new life. So right now I choose to put you in the place of lordship of my life. I run it into your arms. And I ask you to give me new birth, new life. New depth of love for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that's uh, that's that's this series. If you if you said that prayer, if if anything uh, touched you about what I said this morning, what I'd like you to do is uh, messages on, on on Facebook, message the church, or. You know, over the last few weeks, we've got people who've been emailing in, messaging, saying that they, 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 they've made commitments or God's healed them or God's changed their lives. And, and just any testimonies that around that. But particularly, if you've responded to that prayer this morning, we want to hear from you. Either message on Facebook or email us on office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. And we'll get back to you. We'll, we'll help you, and we'll help you take the next step. Amen. Amen. Joe. Okay. I'm just here. Awesome. I, I think the whole of this series has just been so good that Mark has brought. Um, it is key. I think it's really central. Love is at the centre uh, of all that we do. It's who he is, and it's who and how he wants us to be receiving from him first, uh, loving him, and then letting that love flow to others. And I would recommend that you re-listen to the series. It's there recorded, um, because the Holy Spirit will bring one thing as you listen, but to really get deep in this, we have to meditate on the words and re-listen, let it go deep into our hearts, and it really is a key message for this time. I think in the kingdom, our love can go cold, and it's so important to remain hot in these times, to keep our love on at this time. 
and so please do re-listen to uh, the teachers over the coming weeks and let it get deep in your heart. Um, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of a verse and I want to keep it in context, not out of context, but I'm just going to read it to you and it's about our love for each other. Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment and he said it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and to love each other as yourself and that's quite a big ask but when we know him, when we know what Jesus did for us at the cross, when we receive the love of the Father into our hearts and when we walk in the things that Mark has been sharing, we can do this. And so I just want to finish um, and reading from 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 7 and 8. And we'll keep it in context. It's talking about love for each other. It's not talking about covering over uh, sin that needs exposing, um, abuse, adultery, all of those things. That's not what it's talking about. Those things need to, in the right way, uh, be brought to the fore and if you don't know which sins need exposed come and talk to us there is a right, right way of doing that when somebody is sinning against his brother uh, uh, and you go to them or then you take the elders or it's a sin that's against the law that does need exposing because it's very harmful uh, but this is talking about things like um, selfishness and not being kind uh, and those things that as we walk with each other that are so necessary, uh, the centre of uh, who we are and how we walk. And so 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, the end and culmination of all things is near. And, and you know, we're in those end times, so we need to take this really seriously. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific and pleasing to him. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. And I think that's just really important as we end this series, that, that, that love that God has put in our heart, and as we walk with him, as we do the things that Mark has been bringing from the word each week, and we keep our love on, and we are hot for Jesus, and we do these things, then that love that God has put in us will enable us to walk unselfishly towards our brothers and sisters and cover unkindness and the things that bring offence into our hearts so that we can see the best in people and to love like Jesus loved. Amen. So I'm just going to pray, Father, I ask that you will put the words that have been brought to us over these weeks deep in our hearts that we can truly become more and more and more like your son, that we can love you and each other like your son loves. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross so that we could receive from 
the inside of us so that we could live as God asks us to, full of love, in a right way towards you and towards each other. May we always run to you because your loving kindness, your wide open arms, the grace that you have given us enables us to run right into your arms, to come right into the throne room of God, to sit at your feet and to receive all that we need to be able to live life in its fullness and in its goodness. So help us as we go from here tonight, today and into this week, covered by your grace, covered by your love, help us to receive from you all that we need, your blessing, your favour and your grace. And Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you that you are with us today and every day. Amen and amen. Amen. So um, just before we go, uh, I just wanted to do one uh, lovely family thing. Today is Penny's birthday. And Penny, uh, I know that you're with us and we wish you a really happy birthday from Mark and I and the whole of Faith Life. Happy birthday. Enjoy your day. This is the day to celebrate because this is the day that you were born, that you came to the earth and we are blessed for knowing you. So have a great day, Penny, and enjoy your day and the rest of the week and all the celebrations that you are doing. Happy birthday. So, um, the notices that will be coming up now, Faith Life, uh, have a great week. Uh, be blessed. Um, uh, may God be with you in all that you're doing. And uh, we love you. And we will be here with you next Sunday, if not before. Amen. <laughs>